As the COVID-19 pandemic spread throughout San Diego County, local leaders had to figure out how to protect the region's homeless population. Thankfully, the shutdown granted the city with a key piece of real estate, the San Diego Convention Center. Since April 1st, more than 1,000 people have been living inside the center where they have access to COVID-19 tests, as well as various service providers and support groups. More than two months into this pandemic, and as the region reopens, it raises the question, how has the shelter changed how the region handles one of its perennial challenges? For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Gary Worth, you're a reporter on the public safety team and you cover people experiencing homelessness. Let's start with background. What was the series of events that led to this convention center becoming a homeless shelter? Hey, Daniel. Uh, background was that we had a number of very big shelters already. Uh, there, uh, the Alpha Project operated two big uh, tent shelters. Uh, Veteransville of San Diego also had uh, a big tented shelter. And Father Joe's was operating a shelter at the at Golden Hall at the uh, Civic Plaza. Uh, there were some concerns that beds were just too close together uh, in those shelters, and other cities where homeless shelters were had seen some serious outbreaks of of COVID. So, they uh, the first step was moving people out of the upstairs rooms uh, at Golden Hall and just moving them downstairs, creating some more space. But uh, the next thing that they were doing was trying to just get everyone out of the big shelters, um, the big tents, including the people who were also at Golden Hall. Some of uh, the families who were at Golden Hall went to uh, hotel rooms. So uh, on April 1st, they opened up the San Diego Convention Center, um, which uh, obviously wasn't in uh, much use these days. And uh, they started moving people in from um, those uh, four shelters. And 765 people in all from the shelters moved in. And uh, among the rooms that they're in is uh, Hall H, which is like the most famous room in the convention center for people who follow Comic-Con. They talk a lot about Hall H as being where all the uh, famous people, the movie stars, uh, congregate and do panel discussions, and thousands of people go into all H. And right now, it's filled with uh, with cots and um, other services for homeless people, and it's divided into three sections. Uh, about uh, thirteen hundred people are living there, and uh, like I said, it's divided into, into three sections: Alpha Project, uh, Veterans Village of San Diego, and. Father Joe's villages um, are all caring for the people that they were caring for before. And since then, they've been bringing people from out of the street. Mm -hmm. And how exactly does this shelter operate? Is it any different from the previous large shelters that you mentioned? Yes and no. It's it's obviously uh, bigger, um, but a lot of it is just the same. This is a place for people to, uh, um, to be out of the elements and to be in a safe environment uh, and with with services. Uh, so they're free to come and go. There's a curfew, um, 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., unless you do have a job and um, you would be allowed to go out for, for that. But uh, there's security there and they're keeping people uh, safe inside, but people are also free to go. Sort of like what it was like at the, um, at the bridge shelters, uh, though. So, it's just on a bigger scale, but um, in a way, it's the same type of operation. Mm -hmm. 
And what's been the strategy for preventing a COVID-19 outbreak inside of the homeless shelter? Because all of this kind of happened in the first phase of the pandemic when San Diego County didn't have a lot of tests. We didn't really know how bad the outbreak was. So there was real palpable fear that many homeless people could die. So what was the strategy, especially in the beginning? Well, you're absolutely right. There was uh, fear about that. And uh, uh, we continued to deal with a lot of unknowns. So we didn't know how bad the pandemic was going to hit San Diego. We didn't know how bad it was going to be um, in, uh, in San Diego among the homeless population. It was pretty bad in, in some shelters. Uh, like uh, there was a uh, 36% of, of people in a shelter in Boston uh, tested positive and 66% in San Francisco. Um, so they wanted to move people uh, out of the, the more cramped shelters that they had. Um, they had already started doing uh, health screenings at the, uh, at the bridge shelters. They continued to do that at, at the convention center. So every day uh, somebody gets their temperature taken and they have uh, a questionnaire that they fill out um, asking them about any symptoms that they might have. And everybody also has, uh, has been tested. There have been 2,000 tests, uh, about 2,000 tests administered. And last I heard, there were six positives uh, that were um, that were taken. Yeah. So um, testing uh, uh, is done in, in a cycle. Some people have gotten tested twice already. It's a self-administered test. And people get uh, screened every day. At, uh, so you're supposed to get screened every day. Um, and, um, you know, they, they check. They don't always hit 100%, but... Um, pretty close, I hear. Uh, so that's what they're doing, as well as, you know, reminding people about social distancing and having people wear masks when they're near each other. So same thing that everyone else is dealing with, but in a way, um, they're being overlooked, uh, you know, even better than a lot of us, because they're getting some screenings all the time, and everyone's getting tested, and uh, meals are brought to them and prepackaged. Uh, uh, so, uh just taking a lot of steps, um, just about, you know, uh, just all around, which what, um, you know, the steps that they're doing to keep people safe there from COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the advantage of having all of that resources all together in one space is that you can have that really effective testing and tracing strategy to easily contain a virus while, you know, when people just going about their regular lives, that's much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also spoke to people who were living in the shelter and you got a variety of perspectives. Why don't you tell me what they were saying? What is it like to live inside of the shelter? You know, a lot of it is just like what a lot of people are probably dealing with, uh, just bored at home when you can't go out. So uh, these these people are encouraged to, you know, quarantine. Um, and there's not a lot of places that are open that they would normally go. Uh, there's people who just, they hang out. They, there's um, a giant projected uh, TV screen that's that's on. Uh, you know, depending on what um, you know section they're in, it could be actually on a big screen. It could be projected on, on the wall, um, and they people they can leave and, and they can go uh, to work or other things that that they might do. And they're smoking, go for walks around. Um, I talked to this one guy. Uh, and he tries to keep really busy, uh, though, and he he's like doing chores, uh, clean, you know, picking up towels, he said, uh, and actually trying to set an example for other people because he doesn't think it's good to just hang out and sit down all day. 
Um, there's a woman I met, she's growing spinach and flowers in a pot out by the, um, uh, the smoking area of, of the, um, uh, the Afro project. So people are doing, you know, just what they can to get some exercise in. There's a lot of bikes that are there that I saw locked up and people will um, go out and get some exercise. They'll hang out. Um, and, you know, in, in a way, it's not that different from what um, it was like, I guess, in the bridge shelters. And also, it's not that different from what a lot of people are experiencing when they are stuck at home, except they've got a lot more roommates. Hmm. And when you consider the city of San Diego's strategy when it comes to, you know, dealing with homelessness, would you describe this shelter as a success? Well, it's definitely a success uh, in that it was designed primarily to protect people from COVID. And going by the numbers and comparing it to what other cities have experienced, uh, uh, I, I think anyone would think that's a success uh, so far. There's not an outbreak of uh, coronavirus happening uh, in uh, in the shelter. Um, hopefully there, you know, there won't be, and they're taking precautions. Um, but this is also called Operation Shelter to Home. So it wasn't intended to be a shelter that would just keep people in place, uh, though, um, and not help them move on. So you've got 114 people already who have uh, transitioned out into permanent housing. Um, uh, about 60 of those uh, found their uh, their housing resources while they were there in the convention center. Though uh, some moved in from the shelter and they already had housing vouchers or were set up with some kind of rent subsidies. Others, um, they got hooked up while they were there. And from what I understand, the housing commission and the regional task force on the homeless have been working to overcome some hurdles that had existed before to help people get those resources that they need. Uh, again, it would be housing vouchers or some kind of uh, a program for subsidized housing uh, to take that next step, next step and move on to you know, uh, self-sufficiency. The challenge, uh, as it's always been, is where do you move to because there's been um, a housing shortage uh, in the last several years of trying to get people out of shelters and into some kind of housing. They're working with landlords. Uh, you know, uh, they've stepped up that program to try to get more people into, into rental programs. Um, they're, you know, trying new strategies, but uh, there's been some good progress, I, I think, in trying to get people into uh, permanent housing. And there's been uh, other good progress of, um, I hear from getting people just off the street and into a shelter for the first time. I've heard stories about people who would not want to go into a shelter, it was just not for me, um, but uh, they said, I'll go into this one. Um, and it might be because of COVID and that they've heard some bad things about it and they don't want to be vulnerable to it. But it also is a shelter that seems to be a lot more spacious than other shelters and they might have had some claustrophobic issues. So um, you're getting a, uh, people who will go into shelters. On the other hand, I've been out on the street and I've talked to people who are still homeless and unsheltered and they're like, it's not for me. Nope, I'm not going into that shelter. Uh, though, and they will take a hard pass on it. Uh, so you still have that population to deal with. Um, 
a positive note, a good story I heard was from uh, a guy that I met, and he's, he's in his mid-30s, and he was dealing with uh, several issues. Um, he had some mental issues. He had some substance abuse issues. Um, and then with COVID, he wasn't able to get any counseling uh, with, uh, with people, any kind of, of, uh, of group sessions or therapy. Um, it, you know, that sort of thing had, had shut down during the pandemic and you could still do it remotely, but his phone wasn't upgraded enough that he, he couldn't get a Zoom app on his phone. Well, he's now able to meet with people in an AA meeting and with an NA meeting and with a men's group for other issues that he's dealing with. Uh, he says, uh, the shelter saved my life, he said. You know, and I'm able to actually meet with people, get the help that I need. I would never have gotten this out on the street. Um, so, uh, but again, you hear a variety of, um, of experiences from people. When you have that many people under one roof, you're gonna have a variety of experiences. Um, and even outside of this shelter, like I said, there's some people that say, I'm just not going in there. And um, other pe everyone I talked to who was there has something positive to say about it. Um, a woman who was there for only a week um, still was a bit afraid. She was not, she didn't have any friends there yet. She was still feeling pretty intimidated. Other people seemed pretty friendly who were there. Uh, everybody had some similar stories. There was um, people told me about theft happening, that you got to watch your stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, I, I've heard that from people out on the street anyway. It's like, I don't, I think every homeless person just about I've ever met has has been a crime victim out on the street. And then there's, um, could be hard to sleep at night, though there's a lot of people, um, again, under one roof. Uh, some people have, have issues. There's people screaming the night. There's people um, getting into arguments with each other. Nobody said that it's ever escalated to um, any serious violent issue, though. But, um, but I did hear a lot about uh, people getting on, you know, not getting a good night's sleep there because of um, a lot of the sounds that are going on. Mm -hmm. And also in the past uh, several weeks, there's been an ongoing discussion of defunding the police, saying that police officers are being asked to do too many things. One of those things is, you know, enforcement when it comes to homelessness. Have you spoken to any providers who were kind of optimistic that in the coming years, as this conversation continues, there may be more funds or funds in a different way to provide services to these people and kind of get them on the path to permanent housing? Well, there is uh, more money that is coming in. The um, San Diego Housing Commission budget um, is, is going to be greater. And uh, this year, there's more state funds and more um, CARE Act funds uh, coming in and there's um you know there's there is more money that's that's coming in and they are trying to uh trying to buy property they're putting it into um more homeless services uh and there is um there is a movement in san diego also uh that some council members wanted to it's not part of like defunding the police this actually preceded that this discussion was um uh it, it might be better, uh, some people think, to have a homeless outreach that is centered on people who are social workers rather than police. Uh, not that um, the police aren't effective at doing outreach 
uh, and getting people connected with services and getting people connected with housing. But there's always going to be a perception that um, uh, police aren't somebody that you want to deal with, uh, though um, they, you know, homeless people, they, they might have a history of uh, dealing with police and they will be reluctant to take any help. I've heard that. Uh, so uh, there's, uh, there's a movement to like emphasize more outreach with professional social workers rather than with um, just police homeless outreach teams. Um, of course, police homeless outreach teams haven't just gone it alone. They do work in partnership with uh, service providers, with uh, narcotics, um, you know, agencies that uh, like at the McAllister Institute. And, you know, they they have for a while partnered with um, with other service providers to help them make connections with people on the street. Yet still, it's like there's an argument that all this could be done without police um, being a part of it, without. And at the same time, it's like you don't want them completely out of the picture because who knows what you're dealing with when you're out on the street. And I've, I've heard that too. It's like, uh, we wouldn't never want to have police as being some part of of outreach, um, at least there for backup and safety, but not the first contact with people. Yeah, it's been interesting how this whole conversation has been kind of wavering back and forth when it comes to what tool do you use for whatever perceived problem, be it a literal crime or just quality of life issues? Yeah, it's, um, that is a fine line. It's like, uh, you know, you don't want to just make someone's life worse, um, you know, with uh, with tickets and incarceration uh, at the same time. It's like you've got a community that is dealing with people who sometimes misbehave out on the street and you have to be responsible for them too. So this is a conversation that, um, you know, is, has always been ongoing. Uh, mm-hmm. They are doing outreach, by the way, to uh, to bring in people into the convention center that is ongoing I've, I've been out with some outreach teams. Um, I've been out with a team when we brought somebody into the convention center. He was living in an encampment in National City, and he wanted to be away from his environment. He was worried about COVID, uh, so he was willing to go. So as I said earlier, there was I've met some guys out on the street that do not want to go in the convention center, and I've met guys who have walked up to outreach workers and just said, I've heard about the convention center, I'm ready to go if, if, uh, if I can get in. And, and again, that's an ongoing thing that's, that's happening. Um, and it's going to continue to happen as, as long as they're using it, because there's still a lot of unsheltered homeless people who are out. Uh, this has not gotten everyone off the street in San Diego County by any means. Um, but hopefully the intent is, is that it will protect people from the pandemic and at the same time be a new opportunity to connect people with shelters, uh, with home housing rather. Um, and that's that's a work in progress uh, also. Um, but uh, anyway, that's what's going on at the convention center. It's, it's, been, it's, it's been interesting. I haven't heard, uh, again, anyone there saying um, that it's a really bad experience, uh, but I have heard a spectrum of experiences uh, though, where you know, it's homeless people are often like any any uh, population of people. You know, there's going to be people that um, fit in better, better than others. So. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's kind of like the old adage, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste, in which that this may be a real turning point when it comes to homelessness in San Diego. Let's just hope the momentum kind of continues in the way so people can get connected to the resources that they need. Yeah, best case scenario is that there's lessons to be learned about connecting people to resources. Um, and uh, when and if things get back normal, um, these are, are things going forward that will maybe have programs set in place where uh, they'll be a, um, a bit more streamlined to get people to, to services. Um, you know, I've been covering this this feed for years, and I've heard for years things are getting better. We were figuring out what's what's wrong. Uh, this is, um, you know, another time where they're saying that. But, um, you know, it, it does seem that, you know, this crisis has moved things forward um, a bit. And I remember when the convention center opened, um, Councilman Chris Ward said, that one thing about this um, is it, it gets the city thinking about venues that it could use. It's like convention center sitting here. What other pieces of property are, are out there that that we could use? There's other opportunities to have an interim shelter, a bridge shelter. Well, you know, getting people off the street. Um, the whole philosophy of housing first is uh, people are homeless because there there is some issue that's going on in their life, and it's really hard to overcome that issue if your next thought is, where am I going to get food? Uh, where am I going to find a safe place to sleep tonight? That's foremost on your mind, not how am I going to work on my resume? And, uh, so if you can you know, overcome the most basic necessities, uh, then you can make a, you know, get people a little more progress into it. Of course, there's a lot of issues that, that people have that do make them homeless, but they all have to be dealt with individually. All right, Gary Worth, thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Daniel. In other news, reformers who had pushed for banning the carotid restraints say San Diego police were more motivated by politics than policy when they decided to ban the practice earlier this month. For years, policing agencies had argued that the move, which if done correctly, briefly shuts off blood to the brain, causing the person to pass out, was a necessary tool. According to data obtained by the San Diego Union-Tribune, both the San Diego Police Department and the county's sheriff department use the move more frequently on black people. San Diego officers used the restraint on a black person in 130 incidents between 2013 and 2018, which is 26% of the 495 cases that specified race. Only about 6.5% of the city's population is black, according to the census. They also used the restraint on nine children between the ages of 14 and 17, all of whom were black or Latino. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you like this podcast, listen to our sister podcast, Name Drop San Diego. Join the UT's Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten as they speak with several young Black Lives Matter activists, Jalen Kennedy, Nikki Sanchez, and Amir Harrison Jr., all of whom have led protests around the county. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by the subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.